On this week's episode, we throw a chair at Whiplash. Did Charlie Parker ever feel safe again? How could Andrew do that to Supergirl? And is a white guy gonna save Jazz this time? Find out now you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the last episode of 24 Flames Per Second for the month of January in this new decade as we embark on a journey of of more exploration, creatively, musically, maybe. And uh, this, everyone gave me shit last week at the end of the uh, Sherlock Holmes episode, but this week, everybody... Oh, welcome to the podcast, the rest of the films we love the most. As always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak, and... Uh, Welcome to the show. This week we are talking about the uh, the 2014 drumming movie Whiplash, and why are we talking about it? Literally only because there's a movie coming out this week called The Rhythm Section that has nothing to do with music. Uh, but I decided that it floated up our list, and so here we are, talking about <laughs> Whiplash. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, we're excited to have you here on the show. Uh, this week, we are, uh, due to the snow in Seattle, we are all remote, so everyone is on the phone. Um, we're excited to get into it. I'm not going to waste any time this week since uh, uh, we're all not in the same room. We're all in our houses. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll start right into things. Everybody, welcome. Uh, and uh, just of note, uh, in 24 Flames events, news coming up, uh, we would normally have a drink along this week, but we are not going to. Because uh, next month is the Oscars, which is our usual February drink-along. And that one is for everybody, not just our Patreon supporters. So uh, if you want to watch, uh, have a streaming along with your Oscars telecast as you watch it. Um, We'll start probably like halfway through the show. I think usually it's like 7 or 7.30 is when our drink-along starts. Um, And that's on on February 9th, which is also my birthday this year, everybody. So that'll serve as my birthday episode this year. I'm not doing... One of the super fun, all the friend, uh, all the friends, all the hosts argue with each other's this year. Um, but yeah, it'll be the Oscar drink along on the ninth. Everybody, hope to uh, see you tune in for that with us. And uh, yeah, so all that being said, let's get into everything. Starting with uh, across Seattle, across the uh, across Lake Washington from me this week, the Nicole to my Fletcher, Casey Rom. Oh hello. Hey, how's it going? Uh, good. I would prefer Supergirl to Nicole, though. That's fine. I mean, Nicole was super in her own right. Yeah, you could argue that. Um, but uh, but yeah, how are you? Did you watch the movie this week? Um, I didn't. I actually got swapped into this episode kind of last minute, so I didn't have a lot of time. But um, I watched some of the like solos on YouTube, and I've seen it. Yeah. Um, well, what do you know about it? Um, so I found some really interesting facts about this movie, actually. It is, uh, it grossed about $13 million in the USA, and it is one of the lowest grossing films to be nominated for a Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, especially considering that Damien Chazelle went on to make La La Land, which was really commercially and critically successful. Um, and then another fun fact that I found, so Miles Teller actually 
has some scars on his face that you may have noticed if you've seen him in other films. And uh, he got those from a pretty terrible car accident when he was younger. So I thought it was interesting that um, this movie prominently features a car accident. And then Damien Chazelle also got in a pretty bad car accident halfway through filming this movie, which was only a 19-day um, production. So I thought yeah. that was also kind of weird. So maybe just everyone... We're probably good that we stayed home tonight. <laughs> yeah, we don't, careful, we don't need anybody rushing back and forth on icy roads, uh, whether you forgot drumsticks or whatever you needed for the show. So, um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's good stuff. Um, thank you for uh, for sharing. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, let's. Uh, that being said, let's jump into our panels this week, starting with the roasters. First up, we've got. Uh, teacher of your children and uh, father of your theater kids. Uh, find him on social media at B Taves, Brian Taves. Hey, can you hear hey me? There. Yes, how are you doing? Hey. Uh, good. I had three snow days and I'm fucking stir crazy. Oh, exciting. Very good. Very yeah. cool. Got a lot of, um, got a lot of work done. So, well, yeah, say love you. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you here. Um, Thanks. Joining us telephonically, and so, um, and then let's see. Uh, across town from him is a filmmaker and political activist. You can find him on uh, Twitter at True Cody Olson. Cody Olson. <clears throat> Hello. Ah, entered the room with a uh, with a nice throat clearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm um, but uh, excited to be here and and talk about this film. I I think I have I have complicated feelings on on this film, but it's I think it's a really fun one to get into. Yeah, well, I hope they're mostly negative because that's what you're doing to your today. <laughs> yeah, I'll, um, I'll stick to the negative ones. Absolutely. Very good. All right. Very cool. Good to have you all here. And across the city from them is uh, Dungeon Master to the Stars and uh, actor. You can find him on Twitter at not Chris Evans. Chris Evan Christopher. I almost did it again. Damn it. <laughs> it always happens, man. My last name is uh, is the bane of my <laughs> life good now. Good to have you here. How's it doing? How's it going? Oh, that's going all right. Uh, you know, just mm -hmm. bebopping my way through. You know, kicking back and uh, ready to pwn oh, some uh, okay. haters. Okay, yeah, mm. we can do that. We can try to pwn some haters. Um, well, you know how this goes. First things first, we've got movie in a minute. Uh, give us the full plot synopsis oh, no. of Whiplash, spoilers and all. And uh, I'll give you 60 okay. seconds and a three count. Are you ready? Okay. All right, here yeah. we go. Okay. In three, two... One, go. Okay. Andrew is a first-year jazz student at like a special conservatory for music, and he gets found by J.K. Simmons' character Fletcher, uh, who runs a special kind of jazz band in the actual conservatory. He really wants to be a part of the band. Fletcher makes him part of the band, and he actually ends up berating him and so forth, but causes him to uh, want to try to win his approval. 
when he does that, he uh, is kind of in second chair when there's an accident at an actual competition. Then he loses the music. He gets promoted to first chair because he actually knows the music by heart. After that, when he gets to that, his frustrations end up getting more and more as Fletcher kind of berates him more and more, trying to make him better in Fletcher's eyes. And then eventually he loses his drumsticks at one point for a competition, which then he gets to do a car accident, which then Fletcher fires him for. And then he attacks Fletcher on stage, causing him to get dismissed from the school and get kicked out of the band. At the same time, you find out that a previous student had and you're out of time. Of I mean, my, you're close though. You're really Damn close. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And so um, actually his family sues Fletcher and that's what gets him dismissed. Um, but no, 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 no. It's not what his family getting dismissed. What happened is, is that he testified on the case for the other man who oh, ended up right. hanging that's himself right. for You're them right. because they were already in a suit for that. Yeah. And then right. he got kicked out because he attacked yeah, Fletcher right. on stage. Um, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was mixing up. I misheard you, but that's fine. Um, and so, yeah, he uh, ends up getting kind of drafted into this band Fletcher's put together afterwards on his own. Um, and Yes, and Fletcher, Fletcher uh, fired. puts him in the band as a drummer and then uh, publicly humiliates him by, while well, during performance, calling up a song that uh, he did not have the music to or practice at all. And um, they turn around and uh, Andrew kicks off Caravan, of course, and um, the movie kind of ends with him leading the band through Caravan with a nice, like, eight, nine minute long drum solo at the end. And uh, we can only assume that they're now friends for some fucking reason. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, it ends with this ends with this solo and, um, and that's the movie everybody. And so, uh, yeah, uh, nice try Evan, but, uh, we gotta move on. And so everybody, we are going to take a quick break. And, uh, when we come back, we'll get your opening statements while you're here defending, Whiplash. I almost said La La Land. I don't know why. Um, I almost pulled a, a twenty seventeen Oscars <laughs> moment. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the Whiplash episode of Twenty Four Flames per Second. Evan made it almost to the end, and then dropped a drumstick uh, on movie in a minute. But now, Evan, let's get your uh, your opening statements and why you're here defending Whiplash. Yeah, uh, I believe Whiplash to be one of the better small cast movies made in its time, uh, especially uh, J.K. Simmons playing as a villainous type character. He does an insanely great job of being just the worst person to hate and yet still having the sense of charisma to want to continue on, keep going. At the same time, being able to watch Miles Teller play as Andrew going through this very tough time of trying to follow his dream and putting it within a much more realistic sense compared to much other to other movies of things just kind of landing at your feet i think that this movie provides a much better realistic version of people overcoming um their obstacles and 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 eventually actually triumphing and being able to say 
fuck you to those who uh you know would cause you harm okay well uh well very good i think um let's start with some of those themes roasters um whoever uh hit your little hand button whoever wants to go first but you know we're talking about let's start with fletcher as this as the villain right um and so yeah brian do you want to go first sure um so i think that the movie i can understand evan's points um, but I feel like the movie does uh, a dangerous thing looking back on it now uh, by romanticizing and go- glorifying uh, an abusive mentor figure and just the idea of abuse in general. Um, you have a mentor figure who uh, physically abuses his students, who fucking says horrible, terrible, toxic things like, sexually harasses his students says some really like there was a line that I picked specifically. It's like uh, when he's uh, poaching for uh, people uh, for his studio band, uh, he talks to the female um, students as uh, your first chair. Is it because you're cute? Something along those lines. Um, and I also think that it, it, it does a, uh, again, kind of go on those themes of being dangerous, like this idea of like, white male anger, ego, ambition. And I just, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like those themes, you could argue, argue that those themes are pretty fucking tired. Um, so, and I don't even think it's really even about fucking music. So yeah, I don't know. That's it. It's a hot, it's a hot, hot take. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cody. Yeah. Go ahead. I, um, <clears throat> I agree with everything Brian said, and I think he said it really well. It's, it's an interest. It's an interesting film because, for a lot of it, J.K. Simmons does seem like this villain, and it almost seems like this sort of psychodrama similar to Black Swan. But then I think for me, the film kind of loses me in the back half when he, you know, when um, Fletcher and J.K. Simmons reunite, and there's almost this sense at the end where it's like they made each other better. You know, that it was it was all worth it in the end. The ends justified the means. Um and I think if, if that's what the film is espousing, then I don't really like that. It's super icky. Um, and I wrote down a quote that J.K. Simmons' character says, uh, where he's talking about why he's so hard on people. And he says, you know, I think good job is the most harmful phrase, uh, you know, in the English language. And that, I don't know, that just, that that's so pseudo-intellectual. And I just, I feel like no... No legitimate, whether it's coach or, you know, anybody in the leadership position kind of cultivating talent, they would scoff at that, right? Like they go, it's, everything's nuanced. It's not, it's not just um, black and white. Like you can't just ride people into the ground and think that'll make them better. You sometimes maybe have to push them and, but you also have to provide them a place where they want to do this activity. So I just, I agree. Yeah, I don't get I don't get the thesis of the film. And I think if the thesis of the film is what I think it is, then I don't like it. Brian, go ahead. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that my, I have a question for Evan then as the defender of the film. Um, why should we care about this story? Mm, okay. Um, well, this is, it's an interesting point. You both bring up both very good points. Um, I bring up this though. I agree with Cody that music is not the bigger part of this movie. That while it is kind of it, it's kind of this more of the subtext. This is more about 
a movie of abusive relationships, as you can see throughout the movie, the way that Fletcher kind of deals with Andrew at first and at first kind of negging him, right? He already has this kind of sense of power of, you know, being known for being this prestigious composer and, and um, uh, his musical attributes that he has done before. And you can see that Andrew is constantly trying to win his approval as there are points where you can see J.K. Simmons being the, the tough teacher and then kind of taking him aside and then, you know, trying to be nice to him and then using that against him later and then only using that to kind of bolster forth of trying to push him harder by using his own um, history against him. At the same point, then you also get to see his own family life where he seems singled out at points from his own family where everyone else is like a football player or head coach and him just being a drummer as his aunt or I, they, they never really brought up the, what was going on with during the family dinner of who was who, but um, they just kind of push him aside because he, that's what his dream is. And he kind of read backs at that. So it kind of falls back in the same thing as you can see that his own relationships with people start getting strained as the same with other people who are in abusive relationships of kind of, Bring, putting it upon others and then him constantly practicing trying to become the best and then eventually failing when it comes to with Fletcher and then Fletcher essentially firing him and then him getting kicked out of school and then him getting his revenge and essence of then getting Fletcher fired but when Fletcher then comes back to then invite him back on and then he finds out that he humiliates him Andrew has the is you know humiliated and he goes to walk out but instead what Andrew does is he goes back out, plays Caravan, the one that the one song that uh, J.K. Simmons' character Fletcher, you know, had denied him the chance to, and he plays it in essence of saying "fuck you," and he literally does in the movie say while playing it "fuck you" to J.K. Simmons, thus bringing back his reputation of the band and the rest of the people watching, thus also having the solo and having this kind of estranged moment i know it seems somewhat romanticized because of the way that movies are seen nowadays but you can see that there's this point of him you know defying fletcher where nowhere no one else ever really did everyone else just kind of took the abuse and this is the point where he as andrew is like no fuck you i will go ahead and i will do it my way i can i'm going to continue on my dream because he had given up after he got let go and he continue to push on forward so i think this is a movie more based upon somebody who's in an abusive relationship is finds a way to be able to finally break free from that and then pick themselves back up get back and then get their own retribution in the face of those who are abusing um i want to go back to something cody said earlier that i actually literally wrote down cody you said um, the idea of the ends justifying the means. And that makes me think of what Evan was just talking about. The idea that I, I get, I, again, I think that the story I will give credit to the filmmaker is well told. I think it's a tight film. I think the arc really works. And I agree with you, Evan, in the sense that, you know, we do see a little bit of humanization in the character of, uh, Miles Teller's character at the dinner table scene, and even with his interactions with his dad and with his uh, with the girl that he's trying to date, Supergirl Nicole. Um, but I, I also feel like I think that's the question. It's like, the, do the ends justify the means? And does that mean that how how should I say this? Does does that like just because he got greatness, J.K. Simmons' character got greatness out of 
the Miles Teller character, does that mean like all the abuse and all the pushing and pushing and, and all of that, like, do you think that, um, does that make it okay, I guess? And I, I feel like, you know, and, and maybe I, I, this is, this is personal for me because like as a teacher, like I never think that's okay to do to somebody, no matter like you can attain, uh, attain greatness and uh, seek ambition in a way that isn't act, like har- harming people. I don't know. C- Cody, do you have stuff to add to that? Or <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, honestly, I, I wish I had thought of that way to articulate it, that you can, um, you can like seek ambition and, and cultivate ambition without harming people. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, there are parts during this film where I'll get flashes of, um, of like gymnast coaches and, you know, when they, when uh, a gymnast maybe messes up their dismount or something like that hurts themselves and the kind of humanity that you see when they, uh, the coach comes in and carries them off. And right. And that's, this is like the highest caliber of, um, of competition for that field. And I, I guess I just, I, maybe I'm comparing apples to oranges, but it just feels like, it feels like we have so many real world examples that show us that what JK Simmons character is, is not really what a successful coach or leader is in that industry. Um, and I guess, and I also want to, I want to circle back a little bit to, um, what Evan was saying. Because I think for the most part, I actually agree with Evan's take on the film. It's just that the last several minutes of the film really muddies the waters for me. Because it almost does seem like Miles Teller gets to come back and he uh, he walks back out on stage. And it feels like he's uh, maybe stripped of some of the anxiety that he had before. And he's like owning that he's a good player, but he's also kind of having fun with it. You know, it feels like this really cathartic moment. but then. J.K. Simmons' character like smiles at him at the end, and you know, and kind of coaches him, just like a little faster, a little slower. And it almost feels like if you had taken away just that one part at the end, and if it had really just been a middle finger to J.K. Simmons' character, for me, I think I would actually be more, be maybe more empathetic towards the film's thesis. I don't know if that makes sense. I I agree, Cody. That yes, the that point in itself is uh, a hard one because of his character uh because essentially i don't think you're supposed to like jk simmons and i don't think so far as anybody that i've had watched this movie does not really particularly like jk simmons uh character there there really is no um there's no there's nothing to really feel emotional for him to feel bad for jk simmons character at points even though there are points of levity when like you see him with the little girl and like come play for my band kind of deal like there's those points but i think it just goes tries to say again of that him trying to have a human side just to kind of push miles teller's thinking however uh that 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 point for there was a interesting point of seeing jk simmons getting uh miles teller to stand up to him and that's where i think the uh the point that jk simmons was really trying to get across i think as the character for what he was wanting is that where he did all this nobody ever stood up against him in any of his stuff right and this is the one point where miles teller has says he had enough he's gonna go ahead and show what he's got no matter what and he goes out and he goes on stage and he does caravan he does his solo even in the face of jk simmons and jk simmons i think is 
and essentially both embarrassed and tries and like impressed that somebody would finally stand up to him for having this white man ego and so forth this power trip that he's had for years that nobody has ever really stood up to him i think he even had i mean even when he goes in to that other band and then starts poaching off the other players the teacher doesn't really do anything about it so i think he's just always had this power where people you know never stood up to him so i think that that's that weird realization for that uh where going for brian's point when he was talking about yes um him having that tough attitude is is not okay it's not okay for 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 teacher sense and all that i think that there are plenty of there are plenty of ways of doing that without having that i think in the same mindset that you have for jk simmons character is an older mindset uh a, a much more uh ancient mindset that's been set out and i think that sometimes in his own mindset that he goes for that is there's this thing of uh being too coddled of the sense of the good job type of deal of that oh i did a good job so uh i i shouldn't try to make myself better comparably to those of like you know hey man you know you sucked you got to get better at it and you know sometimes being brash isn't always coming off as being nice and sometimes being nice doesn't always help out those who are in trouble and you get to see that with miles character as he constantly in this movie uses more of the uh uh bad reinforcement to drive him than the good reinforcement because his dad had always given him the good reinforcement for that and now the bad reinforcement is the only thing that's been really kind of pushing him forward for that for his a sense of greatness because his dad wouldn't even stand up to him when it came to his own family members so where i i do not agree with his practice methods i do see in a point of jk simmons character believing that there is a sense of too much coddling and that people will just think that they can just skate by on a sense of talent that people are just being too polite of just like oh yeah good job you tried you know instead of attaining for the greatness <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, I feel like we've talked a lot about what this movie might be trying to say, and it seems like there's some different interpretations of that, um, and the ending is kind of famously open to interpretation, but I'm curious what both the roasters and uh, the defense have to say about how this film is saying what it's trying to say, like the the tone and the um, direction and the cinematography, it did win some awards and get nominated for some awards in those regards. So I'm curious how you guys uh, felt about that. Um, I, I think that, I think what the film answering Casey's question, I feel like what the film does is at the end, it made me think of the line, kill your masters. And I think that, is ultimately what we what I take away from the film is that you have to you have to like take the high status character down. So when uh, Miles Teller Andrew uh, defies um, Fletcher at the end of the movie, um, he is you know he is not only um, you know he is not only achieving what he what we've seen his journey be throughout the movie, but he's also you know by saying fuck you to uh, Fletcher, um, that is what Fletcher wanted all along. Um, and I think that, you know, that's why I feel like this movie is very divisive, the ending, because, um, and it goes back to that saying of like, do the ends, uh, justify, do the means, uh, sorry, do the ends justify the means? And I think like, ultimately it's a movie about, uh, in order to be great, you have to, uh, 
you, you have to kill your master. You have to kill your mentor and carve your own way. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think just to repeat the question, it was like, uh, how does this, does the story effectively tell the, the story it's trying to tell? Sorry, does the movie effectively tell the story it's trying to tell whether or not we agree with its thesis or not? Was that the question, Casey? Yes. <clears throat> Got it. Um, yeah, well, and it's funny because that's why I think this is a film that I have complicated feelings about because I would be really hard pressed to stand here and say that the cinematography, the acting, the editing aren't really, really strong. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of times they do these like quick cuts uh, to, you know, to like a horn or to the edge of the drum or something like that, that uh, that are really effective in, in just sort of hitting the, the tempo and like the stress of what these practice rooms look like in the movie. Um, so I guess I, yeah, I think the film, if this is the story it's, it's set out to tell, it, it tells it well. Um, I'm just maybe struggling with, is this a film that actually, is this story one that actually understands music and talent? And, and I'd be really curious if, uh, to hear somebody who's like played jazz or even just played any of these instruments, um, because I obviously haven't, but I have a real strong inclination that this is not at all what it looks like to cultivate healthy talent. Uh, I do. I I think that this movie pretty much tells the story that it needs to. This is Andrew's story. Within most of the movie, you typically don't see anything that doesn't just involve Andrew there's no other story outside of Andrew's story where there are the auxiliary characters like his father and Nicole and even the uh, family dinner you really only see this clash between Andrew and Fletcher's character and even then Fletcher himself is only there if Andrew is present as well so you really watching the story of Andrew pushing himself to try to become the best at first only to try to impress Fletcher um, because he thinks Fletcher will try to bring him into greatness from his own prestige, but then taking the reins for himself and then showing off that he can do it without Fletcher and to re-grasp his dream that he has at the end, um, doing his own improvisation, just kind of like in the same way when he kept using the Charlie Parker story, as Charlie Parker is legendarily known for doing his improvisation on a saxophone. Interesting. Um, it's nice that we're getting into into kind of music territory here now, because I know something we were kind of talking about is um, was just that you know we're playing. It's a lot of white people playing around in the jazz pool, um, and uh, I mean, and this question's also talking about direction. You know, Damien Chazelle. Um, is the director here in La La Land does suffers from a lot of the same points and you're you can go check it out on our third episode ever if you're listening to this um but uh but but yeah so I'm curious um either side whoever wants to start what the the not the implications but I mean just you know centering this very jazz-centric music performance story on a um on a, a cis white guy um much like much like la la land um brian you want to go first um, i'm curious what just thoughts on that yeah um i think you nailed it on the head robert i think that the film lacks um 
three-dimensional characterizations. Well, first off, the film lacks like three-dimensional female characters, I think, with the exception of Nicole's character, um, uh, people of color. Um, you know, you talked about how I feel like Damien Chazelle looks at jazz music with a white cis hetero lens, which is not necessarily wrong per se. It's not that he can't appreciate and tell stories within that lens, but I do think it begs the question of like what happens when, you know, the folks in those movies look are, are white folks when they're uh, appreciating and engaging with music that was primarily uh, created by black people. Um, and I think, you know, the, the question I have, and maybe this is maybe to Evan and to everybody else is like, you know, how would this movie have changed if, you know, some of those folks I had mentioned were uplifted, you know, how would the movie change if, you know, um, we didn't cast someone, you didn't cast someone like Miles Teller or JK Simmons in those roles. Maybe you, give those uh, roles to, you know, actors of color or, or to a female, I think that'd be a much more interesting um, and dynamic movie. Um, and I also think it's just, again, harmful. Uh, it's harmful. You can argue that it's harmful because it alienates those folks, you know, female and folks of color um, from, it's just not an accurate, it's just not an accurate narrative um, and history of the music itself. Yeah, I think 100% what Brian said. Uh, and the only thing I'll add is just that you could probably sum up the representation issues with this film uh, by highlighting the scene where uh, Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons are two white guys are talking about jazz over, you know, like over the bar table. Um, you know, a lot of other scenes will have like periphery characters in the background and there's like quick cuts and stuff. But if you just look at that one scene, it's just two white guys at a table talking about the right way to do jazz. And there, there, there is... Well, and talking about Charlie Parker, <laughs> you know, yeah, specifically. Like incorrectly regurgitating a story about, about Charlie Parker. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's like, ah, oh, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> that, that's all. That's all I'm adding. Well, I just wonder if maybe if if there's something to be said for like powerful white men not being as smart or as great as they think they are. And maybe that, maybe that was a conscious choice. I don't know. But I also think that with so few characters, you know, you're really only focusing on like four characters in this movie. If maybe that just wasn't a good fit for this particular story. I don't know if I like, would have liked to see the reaction to um like let's say jk simmons character was a black man berating a young white man i just don't think that would have turned out well in in the critics reception of it so i'm curious if you think that that this just needed to be a different movie altogether or just didn't need to exist yeah i think good question um i i guess i think two things one what if Miles Teller's character was a person of color? I feel like that almost could have right there been a more interesting film, kind of like Brian said, but you, you know, maybe you keep the JK Simmons character as white and, and maybe like that's part of the tension of the film is this person of color, um, you know, sort of feeling, uh, feeling this things, this like pressure and anxiety on multiple levels, right. Of like, Oh, this guy's being, being hard on me. And also like, 
well, these racial dynamics are weird. So that would have been interesting. And then, and then also I would say again, <clears throat> really, if you strip off, I think a, a couple of minutes of the end of the film of their pseudo reconciliation, JK Simmons and Miles Teller, I do honestly think it's a much stronger film. Like you could take that away and you could make a strong argument because only a few minutes before that, J.K. Simmons is like, I'll gouge your eyes out. And and there's this sense that Miles Teller really has kind of risen above him and done his own thing. I honestly feel like if you just end the film there, there's a stronger thesis. Uh, yeah, so in agreement with you, with everybody, that it would be a better choice to be able to have jazz music with people of color for it. I think that having either one person being a person of color compared to one being white, I think it definitely would have made this movie much more problematic, whether it be Miles Teller's character being a person of color, being yelled at by a white man, adding in for the sense of racial tension into the same way if J.K. Simmons' character was a person of color and Miles Teller was in it, that it it, it adds um, a second subtext to the story that I think also would have added in for the sense of muddledness because we we do get to see within the rest of the movie uh, within auxiliary characters that there are per, uh, people of color that are in said band and both and both bands that are in there and so while this story is pretty much focused on two mainly of Andrew and Fletcher, you have the father as a secondary character that's just kind of there to help boost things up. And Nicole, who is kind of there giving as uh, things that he wants. Um, because I, there's a small part of me that believes that Miles Miles character is um, maybe somewhat autistic, like has Asperger's or something, because he has a. It said that he has a hard time getting eye contact. He's very shy talking with people. You can see in the beginning that people are talking about like dating girlfriends, and he's like interested in that, but he doesn't seem like he's interested for a girl until he finally makes it. And that's one of the reasons why when he breaks up with his girlfriend to achieve his greatness it becomes a, a really awkward weird moment because it's something that he ultimately kind of wanted subconsciously but his dream was trying to push forward for that so i think that if this was a broader one about like the band itself trying to get back at fletcher i would totally agree with that but because this is andrew's story on him trying to really reach his level of greatness and having to deal through uh, an un unredeemable jerkhead to get through. Um, I think that the movie kind of nails the point on that one, except for the few minutes that Cody had talked about. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we've now reached time to unmask everybody. And so Evan, we'll start with you. How do you really feel? Oh, I, I really enjoy this movie. This movie um is a staple in my library uh i do like to watch it from time to time to remind me from my own experiences from where i came from and how, how i've risen over my obstacles through people i've had to deal like with fletcher and it, it kind of makes me feel good sometimes in getting to see this kind of a story which feels much more realistic compared to a lot of these feel-good stories where people overcome the obstacles and suddenly just get everything thrown at them including chairs yes um <laughs> but uh yeah cody go ahead um yeah i think 
everything I said about the film, I I believe uh, in terms of I think it's its thesis about music is both problematic and also kind of boring. In that I think it, it looks like it looks at drumming like a like a purely physical skill like running or sprinting or you know or something might be instead of music which has a lot more nuance than how quickly you can play something um so i i really just don't like what the last few minutes to me imply about the maybe the usefulness of jk simmons character um all that said it's also a really fascinating film to watch and I, i i've enjoyed it every single time i've watched it um that car crash sequence is both just crazy and I feel like you understand it on some level because we've all, I, I feel like a lot of us have been there where you've been late to something for some reason and then you maybe like get in some minor accident or fender bender or even just like trip and hurt yourself. And instead of then dealing with that thing, you're like, I just got to get there. I just got to get there. And the guy has like blood on the on him. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's a film I have mixed feelings about. Yeah, it's a, I guess it is a well-told film that I have some serious issues with. Okay, um, and Brian. Yeah, uh, I agree with both Cody and Evan. Um, I'll say it. I I, I like this movie. Um, I agree with. I, I still stand by everything I said. Um, a few reasons why I really like this movie. I think it examines like the cult of personality in a very like um, dark and uh, it, it does it in a way that I haven't seen in other films before. Like I think there are a lot of people who are in the arts who have had a mentor like Fletcher in some regard. Uh, I, I know I definitely have had that, uh, not the same experience, but um, definitely just somebody who pushes you and, maybe not in the most healthy way. Um, I, I do think that the last 30 minutes of the film with um, Andrew performing uh, and basically figuratively and literally saying fuck you to Fletcher uh, is, is triumphant. It's a really like, it, it, it's a really, I, I watched it when I watched it again recently. Um, I, I was like transfixed. I was like, holy shit, like this, this like it it makes everything that the Andrew character that everything he goes through worth it in a way uh, to me it's like it's it's incredibly a cathartic moment um, and it's it's really beautifully shot uh, it's it's and uh, yeah the whole J.K. Simmons like kind of like I, I even kind of I kind of get it like when he's you know uh, saying a little bit more a little bit less like there's kind of a beautiful moment there like between those two where they finally hit equilibrium with each other and they see each other as equals. Um, And, you know, and I can understand why that, like what Evan was saying about like, you, you just sometimes need that person in your life who is going to challenge you. And it's done in a very hyperbolic and problematic way in this film. Um, But I, I don't, you know, it's the classic argument of like looking at this movie from 2020, to like 2014 and movies that come, you know, before really the election of, I think, Trump, like you're just looking, you know, you have to look at it within the context and the time capsule in which it was made. And I do think it still stands up as a, as a very, very Mm. good movie. Uh, Casey. Um, Yeah, I really like this movie to be fair. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it in 2020. So the last time I saw it was probably about 2015. 
Um, but I remember just really liking it then and thinking it was like a pretty impressive uh, piece of cinema and that J.K. Simmons deserved all of the acting wins that he got for it. Um, I've also been a Miles Teller fan. He kind of went through a phase where people didn't like him. And uh, I thought he was really, really great in this movie as well as The Spectacular Now, which came out around the same time. Um, and so, yeah, I really liked it. And I think that kind of off of Brian's point, like, I, I don't think we're supposed to see this character is like a good dude or a dude that has done really much of any good for Miles Teller's character. I just think that it's kind of it, through the lens of 2020, it kind of works to show how people like Harvey Weinstein come to power. It's like, if you're powerful and you're successful and you're a white man, you can be kind of an asshole and get away with it for a while. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't watched this for a while either. Um, I think it, has been a, at least a couple years. Um, and uh, I think that, yeah, I don't think that it glorifies J.K. Simmons. I don't think it glorifies Fletcher's behavior, um, really. Like, I mean, I don't think anybody watches this and is like, yeah, I want to learn jazz like that. And so um, that being said, like, I think the dialogue writing in this, most of my notes are just like writing down quotes that he yells at people. Um, and I, I, I think that... You know that that character was was crafted so specifically, and I think that that it's just this showcase of, you know, someone that you you're rooting, you're actively rooting against. I think he is a villain. I think at the end, I don't think him like being into Andrew's drumming finally like is redemptive for him. Really, like I think he's on the bottom, and like we're seeing Miles Teller win, but that doesn't mean that he's winning too. And so. Um, yeah, I mean the sim the editing and the cinematography in this like blow blow continue to like blow my mind. It's so like meticulously shot, and um, and I know that because the short that uh, originally that they originally made that got this movie funded was um, it's almost shot for shot identical. The two scenes, it's the it's the um, not my tempo scene is the short. Um, it's like ten minutes or fifteen minutes long or something, however long it is. Uh, and that was the short that they like took to that Damien Chazelle took to Sundance to get funding for a feature version, um, and it's almost exactly the same. It's a totally different room with a different kid playing Andrew. Uh, it's young Neil from Scott Pilgrim, but like it's uh, there's a there's a plan. This movie was planned out, and I think that it was executed pretty well. Uh, and I think that it it highlights that you know the reality of the creative arts unfortunately does have a lot of shitty people in power. And uh, I, I think that, you know, this movie shows that, you know, you, you start speaking out against them, you can take them down, which is, uh, which, which is kind of cool or mostly take them down. I don't know. He kind of gets a job again at the end. So I don't know what the hell, um, but, uh, but yeah, Brian, you were to say something. Uh, yeah, really quick. And, and and to add to that, I do think we see consequences too. Like we see uh, Andrew not pursue a relationship with Nicole and that missed opportunity. We do see consequences for Fletcher's character and his behavior. So I, and I appreciate those moments in the film because it makes it more well-rounded. It's not just like antagonist protagonist. It's like, it, 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 he does such a good job of, adding that into the film without it dominating yeah. the, the arc Agreed. of the story. Um, I will say as, uh, as I wrap this up, 
work-life balance. Uh, and so, yeah, everybody, thank you for uh, for listening. We're going to keep talking on our uh, extended play, our post show that's just for our Patreon supporters. Um, and so if you want to listen to that and all the other ones and get those drink-alongs, get the hot takes, um, you can head over to patreon.com slash 24flamespod and uh, help support our show and get a bunch of good stuff along with it. Um, and chances to uh, to win Blu-rays during our live stuff and all sorts of goodies. So, um, yeah, everybody, hope to uh, catch you over on our um, on our Patreon. And um, let's see, what else do I got to rail through here real quick? Um, yeah, so uh, the uh, social media, if you want to reach out to us and find us and keep up to date with us at 24flamespod, you can email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com with all your thoughts about whiplash. Um, everybody, and wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure to subscribe and rate and review us so you can keep up to date with all of our stuff. Um, and then, yeah, the next live thing coming up is our Oscars drink along I mentioned, which is on the 9th of February, the Sunday. So uh, stay tuned for updates about the timing on that. Um, and you can drink along with us while you watch the Oscars. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, uh, this episode of 24 Flames was produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak. It was co-hosted by Casey Rom. The panels this week were Evan Christopher on the defense, Cody Olson and Brian Taves on the roasting and uh, our music is uh, composed by Rob Joins. It's uh, performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And Party Fish Media is produced by me, Rob Spiewak, Quasi Phillips, and Will Paulson. And uh, yeah, everybody, uh, be sure to uh, come back next week for um, our first episode of February, which to celebrate Birds of Prey coming out will be Bridesmaids. Uh, and so we're really looking forward to that. And um, yeah, everyone, we uh, look forward to uh, catching you on the next one and so uh yeah we will uh we will uh, talk to you then everyone have a good week and we'll uh, catch you later bye 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 Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.